0: What's happening, everybody? On today's show, is this the week we find out the future of SEC football scheduling? Some want a nine-game schedule, some want to stick to eight. It's a real-life secession scenario coming down to a vote. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. This is the week. We're going to have the uh, SEC meetings going on on over in Destin, and a lot of people are wondering, will the SEC schedule be finalized? at the conference's spring meetings this week. All along the nine-game format has been what a lot of people are expecting would be the outcome for the future of the SEC football scheduling. But as the decision, uh, decision time is nearing, we don't know where this thing is headed. And so let's dive into it. And uh, Seth Emerson of The Athletic had a really good piece up that came out over the weekend kind of talking about this. There was a camp of... Nine game, ready to move on. There's a camp of stuck in the eight and don't want to move on. Uh, He caught up with the Georgia president, Mr. Moorhead, who said, I'm ready for all this to be done. We've talked about it and talked about it. I'm not sure it will get completed this coming week. We'll see. There's just a lot of dynamics still playing around on the issue. and One of the big issues is whether the SEC is going to get more money from ESPN. Uh, he said, I, I may be saying more than Greg Sankey would want me to say, but obviously if you go to a nine-game schedule, you got to be compensated for going to a nine-game schedule. Keep in mind, the TV rights, they own all these games. So, you know, you, you add an extra game, hey, man, where's that Where's that extra money? Where's that extra scratch? we got to be getting paid. So, um, look, Georgia's one of those schools that in the past has been in favor of going to nine games, and a lot of the schools that have been in that camp uh, – still seem to be sitting in that camp. But it could come down to a vote. And if the SEC does adopt a nine-game schedule, schools will have to cancel at least one non-conference game in the 2024 season. And you're going to have a lot of scheduling fallout and things like that. Um, Seth Emerson of The Athletic says, Oklahoma and Texas officials will be in Destin this week. They will have a voice in this in the decision, but they will not have an official vote until July 1st of next summer. So the decision comes... Go- could come down to a simple vote this week or sooner uh the best way to look at it is there are more schools hard in favor of going to a nine-game conference schedule than there are of those staying at eight but there are enough schools close enough on the fence that staying at eight games could win out especially if espn is not talking about more money for the league in expanding and going an extra conference game now the nine-game format would include three annual opponents for each school, then everyone else rotates. The eight-game format would include one annual opponent while rotating everyone else. What does that mean? Well, a lot of rivalries are going to go bye-bye. You know, the ones that you might refer to as secondary rivalries. Auburn-Alabama, that's a primary rivalry. Iron Bowl, it's got to stay. But if that's Auburn's main permanent in Bama, you lose the Auburn-Georgia rivalry. Alabama's keeping Auburn as their main permanent, you lose the Alabama-Tennessee rivalry. Texas and Oklahoma, you might say that's the big one. Then you lose Texas, Texas A&M, and so on and so forth. A lot of these games, if they would be played, they just wouldn't be played every year. And the SEC probably has made that case to ESPN, saying, hey, you want to lose some of these great rivalry games played every year? Step up to the plate. Pay pay us more money. But as Seth Emerson said, they're, Still could be something new to sway the vote in Destin if there even is a vote. ESPN could let the SEC people know, hey, it would be amenable to pay a certain amount uh, if the league wants to go to nine games. Or it could just be pointed out that since ESPN and the SEC share SEC network revenues, more SEC games will result in more money anyway. So uh, here's how Seth Emerson broke it up. He said there was the nine-game camp. So we've got the nine-game camp. He puts Texas A&M in there. He said... Their AD, Ross Bjork, has been the most outspoken advocate saying we need to go to nine games. Then you have Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and LSU all considered in the camp of wanting to go to nine games. Now, Nick Saban has kind of wavered on this. He was on board with the nine-game model, and then when it was said, yeah, you're probably going to get Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee, he went, "Whoa, whoa, let's pump the brakes here. It might be a little bit tougher for us. But ultimately, we think Alabama would be on board with this. Texas and Oklahoma, they had both already scheduled SEC schools on their schedule prior to even, you know, being interested in joining the SEC. So, you would think that maybe they may be in favor of the nine games as well. And Missouri, they have expressed support for the nine-game format in the past according to an SEC source that's from Seth Emerson. So, who is in the eight-game camp? Well, Kentucky AD Mitch Barnhart, he's been outspoken in favor of staying at eight, uh, he said last summer. You know they want to keep their annual rivalry game with Louisville. That's a ninth power conference game. You expand SEC to nine games. It, it makes it a tougher schedule for Kentucky. You get it. Uh, the two Mississippi schools, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, they are prefer uh, believed to prefer to stay at eight conference games plus one mandated non conference game against a power five foe. Uh, bowl eligibility is a big thing here with some of these schools you would think are in the middle, right? You look at it as you keep four non-conference games. You think they're four winnable games. That gets you to four wins. You only need to get two more wins to get to a bowl game. You win two SEC games. Boom, you're 6-6. Six and six. You're going bowling, and you saved your job. Um, there is a mystery on five other schools. Here's what Seth Emerson says. He says, Tennessee. They were not afraid to go out and schedule Oklahoma for a non-conference series. Uh, you would It would seem like they would be in favor of nine. Uh, Auburn, they see themselves as an elite school that wouldn't be afraid of uh, going to nine games. But he said both schools, along with Arkansas, like having more home games and gate receipts that come with it. You're going to have years where you play more road games than home games. Uh, Vanderbilt, he said, has been quiet on its preference Vanderbilt to me may just have to go along with the flow with what the majority says. Uh, South Carolina, he says, is one of those supports either option camp. Gamecocks do already have their annual rivalry game with Clemson, so a nine game schedule would give them at least 10 power conference games per year. But AD Ray Tanner talked with the Athletic in March, said he would do what's in the best interest of the conference. So, what happens if there's a vote and it's tied and it's 7 7. Uh, Seth Emerson says it's not clear if Greg Sankey or the SEC office would step in and just break the tie. He said the only thing that's clear is Sankey is seeking a consensus or something close to it. He learned under his predecessor Mike Slive, who liked to say of the conference's private deliberations, the First Amendment is alive and well in the SEC. So, look, there's going to have to be some give and take. Um, you know, just kind of going on what most fans I've heard out there said, they like the idea of going to nine games And you keep the three permanent crossovers and you rotate everybody else. I think it's the most fair. One of the big things Greg Sankey has told us every year at SEC Media Days when it comes to scheduling is you want to be able to go to some of these stadiums that you don't normally get to go to. It's ridiculous that we'll go a decade sometimes without one SEC school going to visit another one. This would open up the rotation a lot more and you would get to go to a venue at least once every four years in the conference. I think it makes sense. Again, I understand some of the schools that are on the fence here, but uh, we need to come to an agreement. And if there's a vote this week, who will be the ultimate one to sway the vote? Uh, Seth Emerson wrote in his piece, again, go read it up at The Athletic. He said, not voting is also an option. It's not a desirable option, but it is an option. I just can't imagine where we're sitting here a year away from the conference expanding in Texas and Oklahoma coming in that we would sit back and go, yeah, you know what, we'll just put this one off for a little while longer. Come to a decision, let's go, and let's move forward. And there you have it. That is uh, the latest going on there. When we come back, we'll actually go around the conference, get you caught up with some other stuff, including some baseball and softball notes. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, you need the best-tasting protein bar ever, and that is Built. If you're like me and you want a healthier snack choice, but you don't want to compromise on taste, built Bars and built Puffs are the perfect thing for you. Built Bars are healthy. They taste amazing. Uh, look, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, uh, and they come in unbelievable flavors, like churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. Not sure how they do it, but they make them healthy for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein packed in there. Go to built.com right now. You could see everything that Built Bar has to offer. You can also find them locally at Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your local Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and find yourself a built box of built bars. And then again, find them on their website built.com is the website. along here locked on SEC thank you guys for making us your first to listen every day and shout out to every dayers throughout this week we're going to be giving you our takeaways from what we're hearing over at the SEC meetings in Destin you do not want to miss that throughout this week on locked on SEC all right let's jump into it let's do it let's go around the conference Boots out to the right Around the conference, we start with Tennessee football. They added a commitment to their 2024 class on Saturday, picking up a commitment from four-star running back Peyton Lewis out of the Virginia area. He had offers from the likes of Penn State, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina. He's Tennessee's first running back commitment in the class of 2024. A big recruiting weekend over on Rocky Top, but Peyton Lewis, six foot one, 190 pounds. He's a two-sport athlete. And uh, was two two time state champion in the fifty five meter sprint. He's rated as the number one hundred and sixty third overall prospect, the number eleven overall running back, number three player from the state of Virginia. One other roster note at Tennessee: D lineman Dijon Terry is entering the transfer portal, according to On Three Sports. Uh, Terry made a big impact at Tennessee during his time with the Vols, recorded six tackles for a loss, three sacks over the past two seasons. Started his career at Kansas, spent two seasons with them before he transferred into Tennessee ahead of the 2021 season. He was expected to be a contributor on the defensive front for Tennessee this year, but he will hit the transfer portal. We'll see where he is going to wind up, but a little bit of a loss there for Tennessee. Over at Florida, their former wide receiver, Xavier Henderson, who had entered the transfer portal, announced he is heading to Cincinnati to continue on his college football career. Keep in mind, that's now the Big 12. Cincinnati now a Big 12 school. So, Xavier Henderson uh, will uh, head on over there. He was a big-time contributor for the Gators, made 35 appearances, caught 73 catches for over 800 yards, five touchdowns just last year. He led the Florida offense in catches with 38. He was third on the team in receiving yards. His two touchdowns tied for third last year as well. Now, the Gators did add a Juco running back a couple of days ago. Jacoby Jackson is headed to Gainesville from Coahoma Community College. He was their team's leading rusher last season with 661 yards and seven touchdowns. He was actually committed to go to Charleston Southern but decommitted and announced he is heading to Florida. Now, the Gators also got a transfer commitment back in January from former Tulane running back Cameron Carroll. He's heading to Florida as well. Some news on the baseball front over in the SEC as we had a couple firings, so let's dive into that. Georgia has fired baseball coach Scott Strickland He just finished his 10th season in Athens. So a search for the new Georgia head coach will begin immediately. AD Josh Brooks said in a statement, I want to thank Scott for his service to our athletic department over the last 10 years. After much thought, we felt this was in the best interest of our baseball program to move in a different direction. Strickland went 299-236-1. and Came over to Georgia from his alma mater at Kent State. In those 10 seasons, Georgia advanced to three NCAA regionals losing in the finals in 2018, and uh, had three years left on his contract that was set to pay him $650,000 per season. So uh, Georgia going in another direction. Missouri also going in another direction. Steve Beeser, his tenure came to an end. Mizzou Athletics announced Sunday he will not return for next season. Beeser went 188, 155-1 and one in seven seasons at Mizzou. He uh, thanked Missouri for the opportunity. They went 30 and 24 this year, uh, 10 and 20 against SEC teams. And Beezer's firing That was a little bit of surprise around the college football world. After reporting coaching change, Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball described Mizzou Baseball as another dimension behind the rest of the SEC. And a quick softball note here Montana Fouts. She joined an exclusive list of Alabama all-time greats on Sunday afternoon, closed out Alabama's 3-2 Super Regional win over Northwestern, earning the victory. It was her 100th career victory, which put her in rarefied air among some of the best pitchers in Alabama history. Her 100th win means she's one of three pitchers in Alabama history to record at least 100 victories and 1,000 strikeouts in a career, joined by Shelly Laird and Kelsey Dunn. Now, on the other side, Tennessee softball. They did what they needed to do. They closed out uh, the Texas Longhorns, beating them nine to nothing. So both Tennessee and Alabama punched their ticket to Oklahoma City. Only problem is Alabama will now face Tennessee in the opening round of the NCAA tournament on Thursday. So the downside here: only two SEC teams make it, and they're both going to face off. So we'll see what happens here. But may uh, have only one chance—a chance of one SEC team having success there and OKC, but we wish them the best of luck. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. When we return, we will touch a little bit on the SEC tournament, the Vanderbilt Commodores taking care of business. That's coming your way in just a sec. along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. And a reminder, coming up throughout this week, we'll be recapping all the action going on in Destin with the spring meetings. All right, let's dive back into it, some uh, SEC baseball nuggets, as four-seed Vanderbilt outlasted the 10-seed Texas A&M Aggies as a five-run eighth inning secured a 10-4 victory and Vanderbilt's fourth SEC tournament title. The battle for the SEC tournament turned out to be a real offensive one as Vanderbilt racked up 15 hits and five walks, while Texas A&M had 10 hits and three walks. Vanderbilt locked 10-plus hits in four straight SEC tournament games, matching the most 10-hit games for any team in an SEC tournament. And Texas A&M, uh, their lineup marked the first time this season that all nine starters recorded a hit. So, hits and offense were plenty. The Aggies they put out eight different pitchers on the mound through eight innings, but Vanderbilt's bats could not be slowed down. This contest also marked the 22nd time that Vanderbilt has scored 10 or more runs in an SEC tournament game, and the 14th time that a team has scored at least 10 runs in the SEC championship game. A team that scores first in the SEC tournament game has lost four of the last five times in history. Repeated itself on Sunday. It was the first double-digit seed to reach the SEC championship game. Texas A&M, they would have been the first team to win the title without a bye since it expanded back in 2013. But uh, congrats to the Vanderbilt Commodores. Well deserved, well earned. And uh, the SEC tournament, they established a new attendance record with a total of over 171,288 fans throughout the week. So uh, successful once again. And look, there's a lot of talk of you know, will they eventually move this thing with all the weather concerns we had earlier in the week and always seems to rain in Hoover during this week and games get pushed back and all that kind of stuff. It's been some talk. Do they look to Houston? Do they look to Dallas? Go play in a major league ballpark with a roof. But, look, the attendance this week in Hoover speaks for itself. Everybody who's gone has said what a great you know, experience and environment it is, even with the weather and delays at times the juice is worth the squeeze. And so, congrats to the City of Hoover on another successful tournament. And how about this stat? This is my favorite stat coming out of the weekend. For the first time since 1974, 1975, Vanderbilt has defeated Florida in football, men's basketball, and baseball in the same academic year. Sorry Gator fans, not a uh, not something you want to hear about the Vanderbilt Commodores, but congrats to the folks in Nashville. And now the SEC well-represented in this year's NCAA tournament. A total of eight SEC teams were chosen as regional hosts for the upcoming tournament. This was announced Sunday evening. It's the first time in history that one conference has produced eight regional hosts for the NCAA tournament. It's not known which of those teams will be amongst the top eight, but we kind of have an idea. Uh, the eight teams heading to host a regional. we got Florida, Vanderbilt. Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, Alabama, and South Carolina. Uh, Vanderbilt, obviously, they won the SEC tournament. They earned the SEC's automatic bid. So, they're in the other eight programs that will host are Virginia, Clemson, Coastal Carolina, Indiana State, Miami, Stanford, Oklahoma State, and Wake Forest. So, the full NCAA tournament field will be re- revealed Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, or 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern, depending on when you guys are listening to this or watching it, but... Uh, should be a good field, but the SEC very well very well represented, and we expect, uh, as I've been saying for weeks, I think several SEC teams are going to find their their way to Omaha. Which ones we will see, but uh, it's a good it's a good grouping there. And um, you know, again, shout out to the Texas A&M Aggies; they had a nice run this week in the SEC tournament, where a lot of people did not expect them to make that kind of run. But Vanderbilt, man, a lot of folks were you know picking Arkansas or. LSU to win the SEC tournament in Hoover, but Vanderbilt gets it done. Congrats to them. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Thank you guys so much for watching and making us your first listen every day. And our everydayers, again, check us out tomorrow on the show. Hopefully we'll have some tidbits and some nuggets from the SEC spring meetings. Destin, will we get closer to a decision, a vote on future SEC schedule? We'll keep you up to date on all the latest throughout the week right here. Unlocked Locked on Lockdown SEC.